Gabe, how are you? Hey, good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Sorry about the last time. That's okay. I realized I was like, oh, you know, there's some confusion. We didn't quite clarify uh, perfectly on the, the East Coast, West Coast thing. Yeah, that's all right. We're, we're good. I, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, you know, in yeah. general, pretty cool. Yeah. I, I took a look at uh, your, your site and, and, and some of the videos. It's really, it's really interesting. And, and, and just, you know, just wise, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I wish I'm I was not... training. I wish I was training with you when I was playing hockey, you know? Oh man. I, I, uh, you know, I think that, um, this is why I reached out to you because like the, this is, we're doing the thing that you were talking about, you know, mm -hmm. you, like that idea of basically becoming a, uh, becoming a generalist before becoming a specialist. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Awesome. You're, you're based in Los Angeles. Yeah. We, you know, I'm married, I've got a little kid and we uh, moved to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, like for maybe uh, half a year, like right before the pandemic. And then I, I hadn't sold my place in LA yet. And, and when everything happened, we, we kind of just were, we were in LA and then decided to stay basically. I think it's probably a better place to be yeah. through this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. in Brooklyn right now or? We, uh, we kind of fled Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, my wife's folks are from Westchester. Um, yeah up in Katona. I don't know if you know the area. Uh, I mean, like I know Westchester and I, I mean, I'm sure it's like what fairly close to the Hudson, but not that like kind of, yeah, it's like an hour north, north of the city. Yeah. 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 Um, so we've been there for five months, but right now we're actually in Rockport, Massachusetts. Cause we decided that we needed like, you know, a little week away in yeah. an Airbnb. It's a lot of time just being with, uh, I agree. Family. Yeah. So we decided to get away. Um, but cool. it's, it's beautiful here. Um, yep. yeah, but I mean, definitely going through this whole thing and like anticipating the winter coming around makes me think like the West coast may be a destination I'd love to head to. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It depends what you like. Yeah. But, but is, does the Airbnb that you found like fine, nice, whatever. It's beautiful. I think it was actually yeah. built in about like 1850 or something. Wow. So it's a really gorgeous little house. It's so house. great when you find one of those that, and it's just great. Cause some, yeah. sometimes it's like the pictures are a lot better than the, it actually is. But when you find one where you're just like, wow, this is, this is yeah. sweet. Yeah. It's kind of like a, like a funny, like, I don't know, like Christmas morning feeling when you find yeah. a good yeah. Airbnb, you're like, Oh, we did it. I know. I know. Yeah. So you've been busy promoting your, your new film. Yeah. The last few weeks have been pretty, busy uh you know promoting but you know i'm i'm because i you know wrote direct produce there's not there's no one there's no one else that i can really rely on too much to to uh kind of oversee everything so it, it becomes really hands-on you know mm -hmm. even the really you know just to make sure that that everybody's kind of you know doing what they're supposed to be doing and and working really hard you know but that, mm -hmm. that's the thing with like kind of independent filmmaking documentary filmmaking you really gotta like keep pushing and pushing you know mm -hmm. to get it out there right like, similar with probably what you're doing too you know what i mean yeah i was thinking about that because like i feel like i want to have my hands on everything that's happening 
Yeah. Right. Like, like that, like I, I feel the idea of like delegating, but I understand that feeling of like, it's, it's still very personal. Yeah. And like, and you have a lot of ownership and, and, and sort of the outreach that, you know, making sure that people are doing it in, in the right way. And yeah, mm -hmm. that that's can be really important, you know? So with, with like the promotions for a new film like this, are you like, on the phone regularly with like a publicist or you do yeah, most of the yeah. interviews just, yourself? Just checking in on, on, on how they're doing and making sure that we're getting, uh, you know, coverage from the right people and publications and, mm -hmm. and uh, the messaging's good and that they're not just like phoning it in, you know what I'm saying? That's one thing. And then, and then like universal pictures, it's like a smaller part of their studio that that's handling this. Mm -hmm. And they're putting out like, you know, ads on everywhere, social media, pr primarily internet mm -hmm. ads, you know? Right. And so just as an example, you know, sometimes they'll just, the agency that they're using, uh, you know, the copy is like a little bit cheesy or not quite engaging enough or whatever. I mean, it's just like these little things that are always happening that, you know, you feel like could, could there could be improvement on and stuff, you know, cause you only really have one shot you know, right. to get right. a movie out there. And it's like, okay, once it's done, it's done and you move on. But, you know, if, if you just kind of do a, an average job, then, mm -hmm. you know, then, then that's what's going to happen to your movie, you know? Right. Well, and you want people to like get the message or the thing that they're going to see yeah. going into it the way that you envision it more than what yeah. someone else might think it's about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the yeah. same vibe and energy. Yeah. And with the reviews, you know, the, that's kind of just a crapshoot. You just hope for the best and, yeah. you know, see what happens. So. Well, it's an interesting time to be in, like, documentary filmmaking, right? Because documentary is so big right now. Yeah, and you're a big fan of docs, right? Because you... Oh, I love them. I, I read on your... so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so when I saw yours, which I, I want to get into, like, it was just, like it did all the things for me. You know what I mean? I think it like, I don't know if it's the opening or something, but it's like an Alan Watts yeah. quote right out of the the gate. And I'm like, did you, like this Alan is my... did you know Alan Watts? I did. I'm a big Alan Watts fan. Yeah. I've read a lot of Alan Watts. Are yeah. you, are you a fan or did you kind yeah. of discover no, I mean, it as you were getting into making that film? No, no. I, I, I had read like a number of his books growing up, like when I was like, I don't know, starting at 16 and then kind of, you know, would check in and out with his stuff, mm -hmm. read some other stuff. And, you know, he his stuff was very, like, palatable and easy to kind of mm -hmm. re digest. You know, so, sometimes you read stuff and it's, like, a little too academic or it's too hard to, to read, I guess. You know, that's, like, what good writing is. You know, it's sort of simple and straightforward. Right. And I like his stuff. I like how I also listen to his lectures and I... I when I, you know, sometimes a lot of times, I'm sure even with your profession and things, things um, like happen at the right time. So you, I, I might have been listening to Alan Watts and said, well, maybe I should put some of this audio in, in the film, you know, yeah. and this is a good one here. And you kind of, and then that's the idea. And it kind of, it's coincidental. It comes at the right time, you know. I mean, it's so fitting. And I mean, the thing I love about Alan Watts and the thing that's taken me some time to like digest and understand about it is that like when he was doing what he was doing, he was communicating a message from the East in a, in a Western language. 
Yeah. Right. Because, and they talk yep. about this, like you can't without the cultural context and having like lived in the place and been with the people and gone through the things and seen the world through a, you know, a, a less linear way, you know, a more abstract way. Uh, you can't quite grasp all the things that they're talking about. And I think yeah. he even talks about that in, in his lectures and a lot of his writing that like almost saying I'm doing the best I can through a Western lens to communicate some of these things, but you'll never be able to grasp all of it. Yeah. Um, but I like that. I like the idea of like instilling some doubt and not being able to like have all the information because I think we live in a place right now where like people want to have all the information and they yeah. want to know the protocols. They want to know the exact like way to get from A to B when it's a little more like, I don't know, like I can't quite tell you all the things. It's a little mysterious. It's a little confusing. Yeah. And people seem to not like that around here, but that's, that's where art comes from. That's where creativity yeah. comes from. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, some of, sometimes, you know, both in sport and in filmmaking, the best uh, moments or things that you do are because of the surprises, you know, in all my films. Yeah. You know, that Those are the best moments when you weren't expecting someone to say something or react or, or something happens unexpectedly in the interview or shooting, you know, that, you know, makes that super interesting, you know. Have and it's also being comfortable in, 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 in discomfort, you know, and kind yes. of that it'll take you somewhere, you know, like for instance, even my last film, like I, when I showed up in, in Russia, which is the main part of the interviews were, were shot in Russia. I, I didn't have any interviews booked and I kind of just on a whim decided I was, uh, I was near there. I was kind of in Europe and I decided mm -hmm. to go over there and see what I could do. It's very un, unusual to do that, but, I just showed up and, 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 you know, eventually we started getting these really interesting interviews one after the other and I got everything I needed and it was, it was pretty spontaneous, but I like that spontaneous energy, you know, in, in films. And I think that's maybe what draws me to like good documentaries, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like the good ones, you can tell there's like a little bit of the control has been given up mm -hmm. and like the willingness to like roll with the punches as you're describing, like I, you, you, you can't yeah. control their everything because it's because it's unscripted because you don't know what someone's going to throw at you you don't know where some things are going to lead and like what rabbit holes you're going to go down in extreme yeah. versions it's like the movie tickled or something but yeah yeah um, <laughs> i think that's the kind of thing i do love about the the documentary is that it 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 forces you to let go of control and it's more of like the alan as alan watts has talked about like the controlled accident where it's like you have to be more of a collaborator with what's happening rather than being like an orchestrator. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, you made me think of like, and I, I'm not like, I don't do, you know, like serious drugs or anything, but uh, mm -hmm. it, it can be the, the idea of like LSD and, and, and some of these really uh, psychomatic drugs, mm -hmm. you know, the, the idea of sort of going with it, mm -hmm. it's frightening to sort of, yeah, be a little bit out of control there and, mm -hmm make you really anxious but i always feel like the people that can do that have something about them that they they can let go they can just go with it it's it's hard well, you know if it's terrifying well that's kind of have you ever read a zen mind beginner's mind i did a long time ago yeah and i always think of that like the idea of the beginner's mind 
um, mm. or like the child's mind is like they don't yeah. have, as you said, with psychedelic drugs, like they don't have a yeah. default mode network, right? Yeah. And that's like yeah. ch young children don't, and that's what happens when they're on when someone's on psychedelics. Yeah. So everything is happening right then and there, and it's like there's there's no ruminating or dwelling, and they're just seeing everything as if it's brand new. Yeah, and that's yeah. I, the I do love thing. that book, like the Suzuki one. Yeah, yeah. Bill Jackson, I guess that's his book that he recommends everybody. Really? Yeah. That's a good gift book. It's like the right yeah. length. It's something yeah. that like you can send off to people, and like it's yeah. not like a seven hundred page odyssey to be like, oh, I think you should read oh, this. It was nice oh. meeting you. Yeah, yeah, like Infinite Jest or something. It's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I really love that idea though. I love that idea of being like participatory in the event and not just like trying to control it by like some sort of thing you've imagined the outcome being. Yeah. Yeah. But, totally. I, but but I read a little bit that's kind of what happened with the the latest documentary that you did, right? Like it was it was mm -hmm. kind of unplanned. It was based on some stuff you received in the mail. Yeah, I mean, basically, I, I was at a film festival promoting a, a film before that, and a guy came up to me afterwards and, and, and just started pitching me this story, and I really wasn't that interested in it because it felt similar to what I'd just done. And, and But, you know, I gave him my address, and he sent me stuff, and I never looked at it for like a year. And, and then, you know, my wife was cleaning the house and was going to throw this big box away that this guy had sent. He collected stuff for like 20 years, you know, and... Uh, and I finally said, all right, I'll, let me look at this stuff. And I looked at it and it was just pretty insane, the story. And then, I, you know, I, I just sort of was reluctantly pulled into this thing, you know, and mm -hmm. I just I decided to shoot an interview to just see how this guy was on camera and then he was good. And so it just kind of just pulled me, kept pulling me into this thing. And I was like, shit, I shouldn't be doing this, you know, why am mm -hmm. I? to getting involved in another little Russia hockey type of thing. And, but I, I, I knew it was going to be good. I mean, I knew what I could do and I knew that what I could make, but I just, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's odd where, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, you, you're just so passionate about it. And, 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 you know, that that's going to like pull, get you through it. But this was like almost a reluctant thing. I was passionate, but then at the same time reluctant. And then eventually I was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm making this thing like mm -hmm. got to be amazing, you know. Mm -hmm. Were you like reluctant because you were working on a different project, or were you reluctant because you were like, "I've already done this, yeah, I've already done a thing Worked about in this world, yeah, yeah Russian yeah. hockey." That was mainly it. I knew that it was going to be like tonally a lot different than anything I'd done. More of like kind of like dark, twisted, weird comedy that's mm -hmm. like a lot of fun and wild, like Big Lebowski or Fargo or something. That that was really exciting to me. Because mm -hmm. I knew I'd get like some crazy characters and it'd just be something that I wouldn't do, but haven't done before. But yeah, and then with documentaries, you know, I think it's like when people start anything that's sort of a big project, you know, you know, it's going to like take a long time. It's like, man, do I really want to spend like two over two years to like in this world doing this? You know, right. like it's a big commitment, you know, because once you start it, you got to kind of follow through, you know, and then plus like, you know, I'd done a movie previous to that that was really successful. Then people are going to compare the two and it's hard to, yeah. you got to, you know, you got to make a movie just as good or better than the other one. And, you know, that's, right. that's a little bit more pressure, but I don't know. Right. The first one's probably always the easiest one, at least when you put it out, because there's like, nobody's comparing it to anything yeah. else. Yeah. So because this one was somewhat related to Red Army, the other one is called 
they would compare it. And so I, but I'm naturally like, I don't really, I'm not that like flustered by the pressure either too much, uh-huh. you know, I'm I, cause maybe cause I played competitive sports and yeah, I'm like, I, I actually kind of like it. I like the challenge and sort of doing mm-hmm. the opposite of what people think, you know? Yeah. Also like the idea of uh, being somebody who's willing to commit to long-term projects in that yeah. way. Yeah, that takes a different kind of personality that I think comes with like being somebody who participated in like a practice or a discipline, which is always what I think of it with like competitive athletics as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not that like immediate um, gratification. Yeah, I agree. Did you say, I mean, did you set out originally to be a documentary filmmaker or was that something that you kind of fell into or did you, or do you think right now it's just kind of a step on your journey? Um, well, yeah, I think it's like both of what you say. I mean, I I fell into it. I, I never really knew anything about documentaries like growing up. I mean, I probably had seen a couple and thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. But I never knew anything about movie making or documentary. I just, you know, nothing. It mm-hmm. never crossed my mind until I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Like my senior year, I was a political science major and I didn't want to be a lawyer or go to Wall Street, which a lot of people were doing most. And, um, Good for you. I, it, it was sort of an open book. I, I thought like maybe I would just like see how far I could take hockey. Even, you know, I went to a really good school, but it was looking like I wasn't going to go straight to the NHL. Then the idea of like playing in the minors and I'm more offensive. It's like more of a rough life and a game, which is fine. I mean, it's just, I wasn't that style of player. I was just, mm-hmm. you know, more of like a goal scorer, you know, and, Mm-hmm. It, it would just be like it, it wouldn't I, I couldn't see that trajectory working very well you know and mm-hmm. so yeah so I just sort of thought what 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 could I what would I be naturally good at and, and and excited about for a long period of time and and uh somehow you know my roommate was doing sketch comedy was always into like writing and and making these shorts things mm-hmm. and you know I didn't know anything about it I just was kind of intrigued by that and that's where it all kind of got started I never thought documentaries that was happened much later mm-hmm. where I said we, we, my brother and I were making films together at the beginning and basically one of them was a documentary uh mm-hmm. called his way about Jerry Weintraub that we produced mm-hmm. it, it got nominated for an Emmy but I watched the director there and do that and I you think to yourself you know I could <laughs> you know I, I think I could do that and I could think I could do a better job you know mm-hmm. and and so basically, I, I went for it and tried it, and with Red, my, the first one was Red Army, and then kind of just kept going, and you know, it was successful. So, so it's like that. Like I, I think a lot of people, it happens to a lot of people. They see somebody else do it, mm-hmm. and it doesn't look. I mean, it's very hard. It's very hard to mm-hmm. to make a great one, but it's not like out of your grasp. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally understand. I think a lot of people pigeonhole themselves and think like anything outside of their like specialization is totally inaccessible to them. Yeah. And I'm, I really see things the way that you're describing where it's like, I think everybody has an infinite number of capabilities. And if you're willing to like put in the work, you can do it. Like I just yet right before we left to come here, we were at a friend, uh, my, my wife, she grew up in Westchester. So like she has friends who are there and we've been going and doing these little like socially distant hangouts, like in people's backyards. And one of her friends 
he's very handy. He builds and does like all decks and stuff. I've never done anything like that. I don't own any tools. And then we're sitting at this table, this outdoor table. And it's like a, he built it with two by fours. And I start being like, oh, like, so tell me about this table. And he starts breaking it down for me. And I remember that uh, my wife's folks, their table is like dilapidated in the back backyard. So I'm thinking like, I think I could build this table. And I know that my wife's brother's a stagehand from Broadway. So I'm like, he has the tools. Maybe he can help me and like, we can get this thing going. Fast forward seven days, right? The day before we left to come here, finish the table. It's yeah. beautiful. It's like stained the whole thing. You know, I got all the help from everybody and asked all the questions, but I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm with you. I'm like, if you're just like, I'm going to commit and I'm yeah. going to see something through, yeah. like I will find a way to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Now on the other hand, like, like the immediately i start thinking well what can i not do you know what am i i i think like for me to be like a like a rocket scientist i mean that would mm -hmm. just some there's something in my brain i mean i think i'm decent at math when i get mm -hmm. my muscles going you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying and like get back into it and i was decent at math in school not great you know mm -hmm. and uh it's just, I don't know, there's something in my brain that can't get to that, that that highest level. I would have to, but like you said, yeah, I mean, if you work at it, but the idea of like, so there's something that's not quite, I haven't quite connected the dots with like a really complex math, you know? Yeah. Oh, I understand. I just read um, Goodell Escherbach. Your mind is just, there's something genetic about that, or I don't know. Yeah, there's math is a really difficult place to go, especially like the really abstract math. Yeah. yeah um, but I do still stand by it. If like if if we were like, you know what, for the next yeah. year, the two of us are going to commit to like learning whatever something yeah. challenging math wise. I don't even know what to call it. Yeah. I think that we could get to a functional level. We might not yeah, send somebody to the moon. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that people. Again, I mean, this comes back to. The, the reason I reached out to you, but it's like people get caught up in like specialization yeah, and, and they use it as a real limiting tool rather than a, often an expanding tool like they think they're doing, right? Yeah. It's the thing that they use to like define themselves and to keep them in a, in a box. I think that was the Alan Watts you quote you use, something about like, you know, something about artists not being defined. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that, that, and I, you know, I think as in the movie in Search of Greatness, you know, that it, it by not specializing it helps you in whatever you're trying to do because you bring wisdom from a lot of different things into what you're trying to do and for instance like in documentary filmmaking the fact that i you know didn't go to film school that i studied political science a little bit that i played at sports i mean this all comes into my work you know uh, yeah all, all of this stuff like my my philosophy the fact that every experience in my life because it's influencing somewhere in my subconscious that the creative decisions that I'm making, you know, yeah, uh, everything that I've done, that's, you know, not like I just want, you know, watched a, like 30 movies a day, you know, caught trying to copy everybody else's work or, you know, well, that's, I mean, that's, that's like the big problem too. I mean, you read so much about like people who want to be artists, but the problem is they end up like studying art, whatever the thing is. It's yeah. like, they want to study how to write. They want to study how to make films. And all they do at these schools is study those things. Yeah. And the teachers just get them really good at, at kind of mimicking people who did it before them. Right. Rather than being their own right. original you, artist. You, right. That's right. But you know, and I, as you know, we don't want to discount the fundamentals and, and right you know, the, the, the craftsmanship, you know, which 
there is and it's good to know that and to have also have like some kind of like apprentice I, I don't know if I had that really but it's maybe just starting as a producer and watching some people and yeah and then that first first one or two works you know that's when you really kind of like learn all these crazy lessons you know Mm-hmm. Uh, what were some of the things that but were like, you can't really but the, in filmmaking you can't really you got to kind of knock it out of the park right away you don't really have a chance to make a an okay one you know because there's so much competition you know that you got to really knock it out of the park that's the i mean back in the day you look at any of the great filmmakers like spielberg whatever they didn't like necessarily knock it out of the park but that was a different time you know i don't know right no, I, t- I totally agree. Well, I mean, there's like, there's so much content and everything now where it's yeah. like, if, if someone's going to like give you money, it's like, it needs to be like, oh, this person's proven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do love Spielberg though. I, I, I often talk about the story of them making Jaws. I don't know if you've heard, you know, the story of like how Jaws went down. Well, I just know that there's like so much problems and right. It was, it was like a disaster, but as yeah. you, as we were just saying, like it was all the disasters. It was like the yeah. randomness and spontaneity that actually ended up making a great film. Like That's one so example, funny. the one example that I always come to is that like the shark didn't work. Uh-huh. They had this giant mechanical shark. So they ended up being like, well, we can't use the shark that much. So we're going to need to have something to fill in the place of the shark. So they had the music. I think it was John Williams make that da 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 da. Yeah. yeah oh, wow. Because, because they didn't have a shark. They were like, we just do so, Dude, I mean, but that's like, I, I mean, anyone who tells me that, oh, their movie is a disaster, this is going to be the worst, you know, like, I, I'm just like, okay, you're going to win an Oscar. Right. You know? right. Because people look back on that and they're like, that's one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah. It's like the scariest movie of all time. It, it yeah. fundamentally changed how people look at the ocean. Because right? of the mistakes, right? Right. The mistakes are what did it. Um, so, I want to I want to talk about your your in search of greatness so badly because it means it, it captures this thing that I've tried to convey to people about artistry um, because that's really what the movie's about. I don't know how you would describe it as an elevator pitch, but when I watched it, I was like, oh, this is a movie about art. Like this yeah. is an art movie about being an artist and what a, being a creative is. And yeah, and I, I appreciate that you also had a Ken Robinson in it. Yeah. Um, speaking to to creativity, because I think a lot of people want to make a film about sport and they get caught up on like the athletics or the the, the physicality of what it takes to become this type of athlete or something. And it was unique in the sense that it was like, no, we're going to just explore what it means to be an artist in in the world of sport. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I said, like, you, you, you got into this thing about deliberate practice, which I thought was really beautiful, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. you can't always be told what to do. It needs to be a lot of, especially in the beginning, like you're playing and you're experimenting on your own and researching and making things up. Right. Um, because people I think are often looking for protocols, right? Yeah. And every one of the people that you talk to talks about that quality that like, oh, I tossed a football to myself at night. Who told you to do that? Nobody. I just did it. Or like the idea of like Gretzky being like, oh, I used to draw the lines on the paper and follow the puck. Oh, who told you to do that? Nobody. But that's how like 
your own creativity comes out in collaboration with all your other experience. Yeah. Was, yeah, I mean. Was yeah. that the idea? Were you setting out to make a film about creativity or was it more like what you discovered as you started talking to these people? No, I mean, I, I, I had a very sort of uh, strong passion about, yeah, what you're saying. I mean, the, the idea that these, the greatest of all time are, are really their artists and, and what, what, what distinguishes them is their creative instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody ever, and the reason why I wanted to tell this is because I had a very, you know, going through sports and particularly ice hockey, I, I kind of saw all of this stuff all the time, you know, mm-hmm. as I got to higher and higher levels, you know, looking at who was selected for certain things and why, and then who succeeded and why they succeeded and mm-hmm. what people were doing, what I liked to see when I went to the stadium. It was always like, I wanted to see, you know, ama- something amazing and beautiful and something creative because that's mm-hmm. what was what my mind remembered, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I always thought that the greatest athletes, they were the most beautiful and, you know, were showmen's were, were they understood that and, and they could get you out of your seat because of that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the same thing as artistry, you know, in any field. And, but at the same time, nobody was ever really talking about that. In fact, you know, when I was playing hockey, most of the coaches were, were if you were trying to be creative or do something out of the box that you would, you'd be benched, mm-hmm. you know, it was that they weren't encouraging creativity. And now I thought that was the very essence of like why people went, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's to win, but in order to win, you have to be creative. But so um, I, I was disappointed by that. And I felt no one had ever made like uh, a film about that and really understood what the essence of greatness was. And I knew that if I went to the greatest athletes, they would sort of be able to articulate this. They'd be able to, they would mm-hmm. like to talk about this because they understand that deeply. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, that's what I did. And so as you see, it's not really about who's faster, stronger, all this stuff. It's really kind of, I think, all about creativity and freedom and, and expressing your, your creative abilities, your unique abilities. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Well, I also like that it's like this message kind of at, at the end to the younger sports generation that's becoming hyper-specialized, yeah. right? Youth sports is like, it's such yeah. a huge business that they're trying to be like, oh, you know, you play baseball, you're around now. You play soccer, you're around starting at seven, eight, nine years old. And they're they're missing that like that piece that you can't yeah. you can't grab onto exactly. that comes from doing all sorts of different things. Yeah. And that um, may remind me of like like what great acting or anybody, like there are people that can like do it and they could but then there are people like Philip Seymour Hoffman or, you know, Daniel Deleuze, they have that something extra that's just like, wow, yeah. that is so interesting. And I guarantee you, yeah, it's because they're bringing something unusual that's, that's not so technical, you know. I mean, it's, it's one thing to be technically proficient, but then you need to have the extra artistry to, to get to that another level, you know. Yeah, well, it's that like collaboration, of, right, of the objective and the subjective, where it's like we yeah. need like like the technical skills, and then we need this thing that you can't like bite your teeth into. Yeah, the two of them need to come together to make it happen. But it's a big thing. I know I I watched a uh, a real sports episode, which I love because real sports is kind of similar to like what I think of your piece, where it's like 
it's about sports, but it's not about sports. Yeah. Um, and they've talked a lot about youth specialization. And one of the things they were talking about was in Norway, how the, the kids there, there's no organized sport before age 12 or 13. Wow. And this is a recent development. They were like, we don't want any kids specializing. We want it just to be like, you can come, you can play. If it's soccer, there's no keeping mm-hmm. score. There's no teams. It's just show up and kick a ball. Same thing with hockey, same t- thing with skiing, whatever it is. We just, we just are there to facilitate you being. Wow. And then at, and then at 12 or 13, that's when they're like, hey, it looks like you're kind of good at this. Do you enjoy this thing? Do you want to focus on something? Whatever. And that's when they let people wow. specialize. And then fast forward, I, I don't know when, I forget when they started this program and they changed the whole, the whole system. They won more gold medals, I think, than any other country yeah, at the Winter small. Olympics. Yeah, yeah. they're just like this yeah. big. Um, but again, it was speaking to that thing. And in some ways it was their attempt to kind of capture it in a, a controlled way where it's like, oh, well, we're going to let kids just have freedom till this period. And then we step in and start narrowing the field a little bit. Yeah, I think that's super interesting. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's really great. There's nothing more to say, yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's like what you, like I said, like what your film's yeah. overall message was at yeah, the end. Totally. Totally. But it also, it also made me think of Bo Jackson. You know, I watched yeah. like this yeah. thing about him and it was the same idea. I mean, as a kid, it was like, he didn't even play a lot of organized sports. He was like throwing rocks and, and jumping yeah. over cars. He was almost like mythical. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I, I think that that's a really important piece that people are letting go of that I, I, I find needs to be in sport. It needs to be in movement. It needs to be in, in art in general, because our culture is one that wants to try to control. Yeah. And they want to have the edge. Everybody wants that edge and start early. And, you know, it's, it it got, it's a little bit indicative of the sort of neurotic compulsive mind, you know, you get trapped in these, in these habits, you know, of thinking and, and fear, you mm-hmm. know, instead of just like letting go a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. not having control over that, you know, because if your kid is going to be great, he's going to be great. Not, not because you forced him or anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I, totally I do agree. believe that like, like, for instance, like I live in LA right now and it's not, uh, it's not like the best place for a kid to like play sports go in your backyard and you know do do you know whatever you know Mm -hmm. that is something that i always think about i like i think it's great for kids to like live somewhere where they could just run around there's parks around and you know do Mm -hmm. stuff you know it's a lot harder to do that living in a i think in in a city you know yeah, it's like it's harder for them to just go out and explore their imagination a little bit. Yeah. Like right now, we're I was talking to a friend last night and he's from Mallorca. And that's he yeah. grew up on Mallorca. And when he talks about the way he grew up as a kid, it was just like anything goes. Yeah, These guys just like hit the streets. They were building things and blowing things up and yeah. like, you know, they were just like it was a free for all, but that is like Yeah. That's how you learn what it means to be human, right? I know and how to interact with the world and other people. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I think it's um, a magical quality. What, um, when you were playing hockey, were you 
did you play a lot of sports before that or were you just yeah, really I mean, invested I, I played, in hockey? No, I mean, I, I played all, every sport, you know, including like odd ones, like, like barefoot water skiing and, and just really mountain biking. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was just, I loved it. Yeah. That was, that was a crazy one. I, I got really into that. And then that's you know, amazing. I always wanted, I always wanted to do that. Yeah. It's pretty intense. You know, it's like, on the edge because you're going like 42 miles an hour and you're, you're yeah you really you're, have to haul yeah yeah and so when you fall it's it could be painful you know how did where where did you grow up where you were water skiing i i went to this summer camp um in wisconsin and this one kid did was doing it they said did you see this kid he's doing this crazy thing and <laughs> like he was like the man and i was like well i i can i want to do that you know and that's how it got started then i like went to this this uh for a week like camp mike seipel in florida and, and i was like you know they're the youngest kid i was like 12 years old all these guys were like older guys and it was just it was just really odd that i thought that that was cool and got into that you know oh but so i i got into water skiing because i have an aunt in florida and i would go visit her there and i learned how to like slalom ski and stuff yeah, yeah. but we'd always go to like the amusement parks and they always had a uh like a barefoot like water skiing show or something right right and i always was like we should we just need to do this when are we going to start barefoot skiing <laughs> um but of course like i don't i assume the boat didn't have enough torque or anything right. to like get us going that's right. amazing so you so it's just like i did all that and then I, and then i sort of like realized that i was like you know hockey was like a major sport and i could be really good and maybe i i don't know i, I liked it i was good at it and I, I kind of saw that I could get to like a high level and like, you know, it just like, I was like, you know, how you kind of get singled out and then you mm -hmm. keep going. There's a point where I kind of started to get a little burnt out because like the parents, it just became like, yeah, like there's a grossness to like competitive sports when you get to a certain level, like all the other parents and how serious they are and how, yeah you know, they take everything so seriously, but, uh, and then you kind of, I think the way someone develops, you kind of, it's a roller coaster. Sometimes, you know, like uh, I was better than everybody else that I like wasn't. And then I realized I wasn't, and I kind of had to like kick into another gear and train a different way, you know, cause you rely on, mm -hmm. on, on your talents initially. And then you realize that there's a lot of work that you've got to do too, you know? And it's, this was, in, this was in the United States. Yeah. Interesting. In Chicago area. There, and there's like a big hockey youth hockey yeah, it was scene a new, there. Yeah, the hockey was where where I grew up, like north north of Chicago, it was the biggest sport like, really? among my friends and everybody. You know, I mean baseball was good, but I don't know. For some reason everybody loved hockey the way just they thought it was the most fun to play and Yeah. You know. And like at what age did you get singled out? pretty early like maybe like nine or ten like you know i was just kind of like the the best guy around you know in the area and kind of mm -hmm. then you get selected for these like select teams and everybody wants you to play on their team and then and then you know the more you go like 15 years old there's like united states development selection and olymp you know like under 17 usa hockey you know all these things so you get and starts to you know and then people say hey listen you could play 
you know, division one hockey. And this yeah. is a real thing. This is what you got to do. And then you kind of say, okay. Yeah. And you do that and you kind of start to see how you're developing because you're playing against all these other kids and you're, you're, you're kind of comparing or you sort of understand where you uh, mm-hmm. belong, you know, if you're better than people and, you know, you say, Oh, I'm better than that guy. I could go to the NHL or I could go, you know, Right. I understand. Yeah. Cause you're so in it at that point that you're totally aware of like yeah. the field that you're looking at. Yeah, totally. Right. And that, and you use that to like get into college as well. Like you play yeah. hockey in college. Yep. And wow. That is yeah, a- so I, got, I went to uh, this at the time, like prep schools were feeding division one hockey teams, especially Ivy league. And I really wanted to like get into the best school as well. And so I, I, I went to this place called Hotchkiss and it's a prep school. There's probably four or five that were like the top ones. And they're really like a lot of kids were going to play division one and at, at and Ivy league. And not that I was like, like Ivy league or nothing. I mean, there was, you know, if I went to Michigan or, you know, somewhere else and played, I'd be happy, you know, but uh, I just saw that becoming a reality and it was, it was interesting. You know, it wasn't easy. It was, it wasn't easy. Yeah, I mean, I feel like playing a sport at, at the collegiate level, like any sport, is a real brutal experience. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're like, you know, do you, okay, so if you get into a, a school like Yale, you don't want to like phone it in and just go to like silly classes and, you know, because you're, 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 I mean, you're, you're pretty damn lucky to get in there. You might as well like get the most out of it. And so if you're, if you're also taking you know, real classes right? and going and, and spending five, five hours a day or sometimes more playing hockey. It's like so little time to do anything else. Like you're, cause, cause first of all, the workload is at a school like that is pretty intense, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you really have to be great at time management and you can't, you know, you gotta be sleeping well. And I mean, it's just, you, it's a lot of like balancing. You gotta be so, you know you can't you can't like there's very little room for for messing around you know yeah and it's and it's pretty much year-round too right yeah exactly yeah and that's you're playing but you're 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 also playing against teams from like other colleges where they don't really care about academics or it's not really that big deal so a lot of these guys they don't even go to class they're this yeah right you're like and then and then you really want to like you're fighting for playing time and you 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 know, a lot of times you think, well, how can I master this sport or, or be like the greatest or whatever it, it, and not focus on it fully? Like I'm fu- freaking taking classes all day long, you know, and yeah. you're thinking you, you got to be fully devoted because there are, you know, a lot of people that don't go to college or they don't go to class and they're, they're, they're playing juniors and all they do is think about hockey. So mm-hmm. you're, you're a little bit at a disadvantage. And so I, I always thought that that was something to think right. about too. Right. You're sitting on, you're sitting on the bench, like highlighting books and stuff Yeah. while, while you're it's in like the middle energy, of the game. Mental energy, you know? Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. I mean, I can see why you're almost like, Oh, like maybe this is like not the route that I'm, I'm going to go long-term here. Yeah. Well, I, I thought, well, if I'm, yeah, if I'm not, yeah. Going to the, NHL or like drafted in a high round or what, you know, it, it was just going to be, it probably wasn't the best idea, you know? Well, also, I mean like the NHL, it's so brutal. 
right? I mean, I don't, I've never watched like college hockey, but I mean, I hear about, I forget that, what is, I think that what's the best player in the NHL? Is it, is it Crosby? He's one yeah, of the him best. and like this guy now, Connor McDavid, yeah. But they, I remember Crosby, they were talking about like just the issues with his like concussions, like might yeah. limit like the length of his career. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's a dangerous sport. You got it. But that's why if you're also really good, you got to have that, that total awareness of everything going on uh, yeah. around you. You got to really, it's not as dangerous as you think. If you really, it, when you're playing, that's part of it. You know that this danger is all over and you know how to handle it. It's like, you know, right. It's right. not like MMA, you know, but like it's right. risk. But yes, I mean, yeah, if the greatest player is getting concussions, you know, you got to be, you got to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everyone knows a lot more than they yeah. did in the yeah. past. Yeah. yeah. So when then was, it must have been like, a dream right to get to speak and interview Wayne Gretzky yeah it was pretty it was a dream um, like I, I, wasn't, I, like, I, I never like was thinking that I you know I, I can't wait to meet Wayne Gretzky one day and I wanted to interview him I never thought that but when I was with him in the room I was like all right wow this is the greatest player ever you know yeah I mean coming Wayne from like Gretzky, someone who, who played hockey picked, yeah I mean yeah. I feel like the only people who would be more excited than someone who played hockey at your level would be like any Canadian. You'd yeah. be like, oh, this is like a dream. Yeah. Like I have friends, you know, who played basketball and you bring up like, oh, the potential of like chatting with a Michael Jordan, they'd be like, well, that's yeah. the biggest thing ever. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's super cool that you got to, you know, integrate him into that film. Yeah, no, I, I was psyched about it. He, he had seen one of my last, my film Red Army and really liked it and, and, mm -hmm. That's how I got that interview. It, was, it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be to get him to, to do it, but he did, and, and he gave me a little bit of time. So, Well, that's, I mean, to me, I mean, he, the way he spoke about being an artist was the most interesting, the way he was able to, the, there's the, the memorization. Yeah. Right? Did you notice that with a lot of those people where it was like they, they memorized like so much of like the, the events around their playing? Yeah, I, I, I was very blown away by that. Very yeah. blown away that, you know, the fact that they had this sort of photographic memory that they developed that it was uh, it, that that was one thing that really blew my mind. I, I because yeah, I mean, I, didn't, I don't have that such a thing. But I remember it. But yeah, not at that level. It's pretty like that. That was his superpower almost. I don't know, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, when I watched the, um, I forget what it's called, the last dance that's come out, the Michael yeah. Jordan thing. Yeah. He kind of has a similar thing as well. He can yeah. remember a lot of like the specific moments and like the plays and the games. And I'm like, God, you guys played like 90 games a season and you remember that yeah. every game from every season and everything. It's pretty impressive. I know. Um, and that's a pretty somehow it has to be connected with this passion. And so it, there's so, it's so much intensity that, the brain just, it just captures it. I don't know. I, I do remember quite a bit of stuff mm -hmm. from playing, whereas I don't remember like random things of uh, my day, you know, but from somehow these sports memories are really important to, mm -hmm. to the person, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like, they're so invested in it. Like I said, like, um, 
their artistry. It's like, they see it as yeah. like a piece of their craftsmanship. The same way yeah. I was just talking about that table. I'm like, I think I can think back to like every screw we put into that thing. Cause I was invested in that moment. So in such a focused way, mm-hmm. what made you decide to put, um, or reach out to Ken Robinson? Was it something, did you had to read some of his work before or yeah. was he someone I, that you had been? Yeah. My, my, uh, there, there's a producer friend of mine that, that, uh, you know, I, I was explaining to him what I'm trying to do with this project. Mm-hmm. And then I shot some things and he said, Oh, it sounds like, uh, there's some, you should read this book, Ken Robinson, uh, or you should check out his Ted talk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I said, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. This guy's really interesting. And he's kind of like talking about some things that I'm, I'm trying to get at here. He could be a good interview. So then I read his books. He, he had two of them and, and then basically had someone try and track him down and see if he'd be interested in, being mm-hmm. a part of it. But yeah, the whole thing about standardization and creativity and schooling, it, 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 it all was connected. He's a great speaker and mm-hmm. somewhat popular. So I thought he'd be a great commentator. It was such a great fit. Like I said, I mean, like I think the average like sports fan would, it would be a total like detour from what they expect that they're going to like sit down and see. Yeah. Um, but I ended up reading one of his books after watching it, I think it's uh, out of our minds or out of, yep. out of your mind. Um, yeah. And I thought just a lot about some of the issues surrounding like youth education, not even in sport, but just broadly in schools. Totally. Um, it's the same thing though. You know, I mean, education, a, a, a coach in a sport is an, is an educator, you know, mm-hmm. also. Do you, do you look back then and like see certain coaches that you worked with differently after the all the experiences then also after making you know a film like this or there are people you can look back on and be like oh that person was a great coach and they didn't even realize they were a great coach or someone was like yeah i mean i i but i i I, i've been thinking about it my whole life you know this didn't really illuminate i I always thought well is this what what, you know because you spend so much time with these coaches you know and you, you you're thinking the back of their mind, you know, you, whether you have sort of respect or you enjoy it, or you sort of understand what they're doing. I've always been thinking about that. And I remember coaches that had an effect or they didn't, or teachers, you know, mm-hmm. think about that, but maybe, maybe it gave me enough time to re-examine it a little, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some coaches that I really didn't like, maybe they, they had some things to offer that were important, you know? Yeah. Well, I realize like the, when I think about these things, like the teachers and coaches that I felt drawn to, and I couldn't explain why a lot of it had to do with like some of these qualities, a little bit of like letting you slip and fall on your own a bit rather than yeah. trying to hold your hand constantly. Yeah, totally. And you have a, and you have a child now. Yeah, I do. Yeah. How old? He's two. Okay. So, so I haven't I haven't really seen this specialization like so much of it. You know how people are talking about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sort of getting ready for it, dreading it. But uh, what's going on out there? But yeah, I don't know. Do you see it a lot? I see it everywhere. I think it's like I I think it's like this huge issue like i i don't know i you know i talk to people i know who have kids who are playing baseball year round and kids who have playing soccer year round and you know even if we take the creative element away there's a there's issues with like um overuse injuries because these kids are not you know basically rotating the tires 
Yeah. On a yeah, regular they're basis. Like when they're... In, a, in a, in a, in a chicken coop, you know, in a, in a mass farm, you know, they don't, they're not out running around wild or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just doing the same thing over and over. And yeah. it's just like, you know, your body's like not prepared for that. And, yeah. you know, I, I hear about it constantly. I see it constantly again, like a real sports did a story on it. I'm saying that the, one of the major issues with youth specialization was like these overuse injuries. I think they talked about a few kids who were like seven or eight years old who were having like knee reconstructive surgery. Oh my God. Yeah which is really tragic. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it, it all comes down to just being a lot, oftentimes just parents who are just like, I think you pointed out, like just so passionate about like making their kid the best at something. Yeah. You I know? mean, that's and, like early burnout. They're for sure going to get burnt out, you know? Yeah. And the burnout thing is, is a real thing too. I have a friend who wrestled, I think all the way through high school. I think he won like state championships four years in a row. And then got offered scholarships to go wrestle at every college he could possibly imagine going wow. to. And then decided, I'm not going to do this. I can never do this again. I'm totally burnt out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the burnout piece is a, is a big one as well. That's huge, you know. So do you, you got you you to keep it fresh. You got you to keep that freshness, the passion. I mean, I, I got burnt out at the end of my hockey career. I just wasn't having fun and I didn't like the coach, I like couldn't, I was so depressed. Yeah. You know, like I didn't even want to go to practice. I, I, I just dreaded. I was trying to tell him, Oh no, no, no. Just find something fun about it. Find something, you know, you know, like, cause it was just the energy was, you know, was yeah. bad. You know what I'm saying? And you're just like, you get so depressed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, you're just, it's like you're, you're watching the same movie day after day. It's yeah. like Groundhog Day. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you do now? Do you, do you train now? Do you practice now? Do you ever skate anymore? Do you, do, do you have any sort of discipline or some, something that you do physically? I, I, and this kind of goes into what we're talking about. I, I, the only time I'll ever play hockey is, is if somebody invites me spontaneously or there's some fun game going on or outside. or it, it, it's, I'm never going to commit to like a, a season of, you know, play, but I, I, I like – I'll only play if it's just like purely fun and, and, and almost a spontaneous thing. That's what yeah. hockey other, you know, otherwise I just, you know, I'm not like a big hockey watcher. I'll do it occasionally or, or other sports. Like I, I just don't want to spend my time in front of like televisions and, you know, so I like to, to, to be outdoors as much as possible and, you know, hiking or doing outdoors type of things, you know, if, if it's tennis or occasionally mm -hmm. I'm not like, but yeah. So surf, you know, and anything, mountain biking, you know, yeah, I just try and re really enjoy the outdoors and do, do things so that I could get as much fresh air as I can, you know? Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that's been one of the benefits of getting outside of New York city is being like, Oh, I forgot there are trees now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, I, I really think that that's so healthy for mental health the outside the outdoors for for mental health and and just for me at least and i believe that for everyone it's just um even for like athletes and you know you gotta just like i don't know it really helps your mind refresh itself it's also like a, a you know over time like this important reminder of like like interconnectedness right yeah. Totally. I feel like sometimes it's easy, like when you're like isolated to be like, oh, it's a me thing or it's just yeah. like, my only these people and forget like, oh, like we're kind of like involved with a lot of things. That, oh, like, yeah, totally. I haven't thought as much about. 
Yeah. So are you working on, uh, I know despite it's like a lockdown and everything, but do you have plans for a film that's coming that you're going to work on next or are you still kind of like researching? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, there's, there's a couple feature films that I had been developing that I'd written that I'm trying to like get put together right now, cast and financing and stuff like that. And then, and then with documentaries, yeah, I'm, there's a few things that I've been reading and talking to other producers about that I might, that I'm interested in, but you know, again, it's like, I'm kind of a little bit impulsive where I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. I could kill that. I could do it. But then, and then, you know, an hour later, I'm like, do I really want to commit two years to this? And like, Oh shit, right. I, maybe I sh shouldn't have called this guy and said that I'm interested, you know, cause it's just, it's a huge commitment. And you know, and as you like, said, with every film you do, the stakes get a little higher. Yeah. But I, you can't be afraid of that really. It's just like, also there's an element of like, how many times do I have to prove myself or maybe that's a bad way of looking at it, but like, I've already, you know, like I, I'm constantly searching for new things, you know, why do I have to just yeah. like keep making great documentaries? You know, right. like there's other things to do in life. Yeah. I, that might be like a, a, a privileged thing to say, but I, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Okay. So I make 10 great documentaries instead of three. And what does that mean? And you know, right. Well, it's that idea of like being okay with change. Yeah. You no, know? I think again, that's like an Alan Watts thing he was talking about. Like in the, in, in Japan, they have this word Yugen. I don't know if you've heard this. Um, and Probably. it's a word that we don't have in, in our language, but it, it basically means digging change. Like, yeah enjoying yeah. watching things change either the clouds yeah. moving or letting your life change yeah, and become that. different things and i'm like that's yeah, what it's that's about great. rather yeah. than being like oh i'm just going to be a documentary filmmaker totally you got to be you got to be like understand the change and sort of be and flow with it right so when you make it, the feature films that you're talking about these are scripted or did you play yeah. a role in writing the script scripted yeah i wrote i i was co-wrote both of them and um yeah they're 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 powerful one's called flowers for algernon it's a famous book uh -huh. that, that that i'm sort of adapted and for for a contemporary audience and then one's called butcher's crossing it's a western that's very powerful but they're they're you know they're the butcher's crossing i've been trying to put together for a while and it's it's just it's it's been really challenging it seems like everyone's trying to make their own western and then sometimes westerns are not in favor but then others get made it, it's like yeah i mean i guess the the question is always like what you know i don't really ever want to pull the plug but then it gets kind of costly and you kind of just keep investing more and more time into it but right and then eventually you just want to be out there creating something yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. you don't want to just be sitting around trying to trying get Trying to make like one that. thing for forever or whatever, you know? Just, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So then um, if one of those takes off, you'll kind of go in that direction and then let the other kind of documentary ideas kind of sit on the back burner or would you do yeah, them simultaneously yeah. in some way? There's a priority if I can get that made because I, I'd like to flex those muscles and really like do something really powerful and reach kind of a bigger audience that I think possibly mm -hmm. bigger than you could possibly get for a doc. Mm -hmm. uh, some docs really break through and, you know, 
but I would say on average, probably features get bigger audiences, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it seems to me like, you know, just even looking, I know it's, I don't know how much time you spend on something like a Rotten Tomatoes or something, but I looked at like, you know, some of the, the documentaries you've done and they're all like acclaimed basically. Yeah. So it should be enough to be like, oh, like, hey, like, I'm ready to like, I can do this. I'm yeah, going to knock this thing out of the park. But the obvious reaction is always, oh, but you really haven't directed a, a feature alone. And, you know, I mean, it's just, there's always an excuse why they can say no, you know, or right. not good enough or it's, it's too, the material's too this or that, you know? Right. Well, I mean, like, it's like the, not you commercial know. enough or it's too dark or too this Western or too not enough action, you know, I mean, but, but you got to keep, keep at it, you know? Well, that's why it seems like the indie route is so nice. Cause they let you like, there's more of like a willingness to like be experimental and try something different and change. Whereas like big yeah. things where it's like a big company, it's like, it sounds like they want to control it to a point where like, Oh, well, we know this thing that works. We don't want to step outside of what works necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very true. Yeah. Can you, before I let you go talk about, a little bit more in depth about like your latest film and, and, and how people can access it and stuff. Yeah. So it's red penguins and it's, it's a kind of a wild and crazy story about us Russian relations, but particularly around a business deal in the, in the nineties during kind of the after the collapse of the Soviet union, Russia was really like a chaotic lawless place for, for like 10 years and trying to find its identity. And, and, it's this unusual business deal between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the famous Red Army Hockey dynasty, this team, where the Penguins bought this team that was a military-owned team. It was the pride of Russia. It was just insane that it was even up for sale. And so it explores all these cultural dynamics and psychological differences between U.S. and Russia and takes you into this world of Russia that you'd never, you'll never experience or see and uh it's available it's gotten great reviews you know very very strong reviews and um it's available on itunes and amazon and any any cable platform as well on demand so to rent and buy basically so. right so because the the whole kind of like movie movie industry has changed for this time right yeah. like the lockdown thing like everything yeah. is like well, let's just get it straight to streaming and yeah yeah, they just there. take it right there. Yeah, so, so now it's, they make it easily available. It's released by Universal Pictures and it's, you know, yeah, it's, we'll see how we do. I think we're doing well. We're like, you know, at the top of the charts for iTunes docs. and That's awesome. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to watch it. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I'm super excited to see what you, what you move on to next. I really appreciate your willingness to kind of like ride the wave with things. I feel like, you know, oftentimes people like we talked about are just so wanting to be in control, but I really, I dig your like idea of spontaneity and, and I'm curious what that manifests in, in a, uh, in a feature film aspect, right? When there's like yeah. the script and then it's like, Oh, well this kind of thing's happening. Yeah, Let's exactly. see what, what this turns into. Yeah. I can't wait to, to, to see what happens there too. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And I can't wait to come, come to Brooklyn and, and, and do one of your classes, you know? Hey, listen, um, we, I don't know when it'll ever open back up again. I yeah. may end up in California before you make it to Brooklyn, but at some yeah. point we're going to have to uh, connect and, uh, and, and do some totally. movement in person. Totally. Stay in touch and, and let me know your feedback on the film. So I will. Absolutely. I have one more question. Have you ever yeah. read any uh, Marshall McLuhan? 
No. When when we get off here, shoot me a mailing address for you because I want to send you a book that I think yeah. you would dig. Sure. I mean, I could buy it myself, but uh, it's all right. Yeah. I'll I'll send it to you personally. Okay. As a thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm excited to to, to read that. Is it about he, movement or what? No, he he's written a few things, but he he writes a lot about like he has this book that I just finished called Understanding Media. And uh -huh. media means technologies. And it's like how all technology is essentially an extension of our nervous system. Wow. And it gets into this idea of like, he always, he says the media is the, or the medium is the message. So the technology is the environment. So people get caught up on like the content of technology rather than how it changes people socially and psychologically. Wow. Yeah, that is very interesting. That's um, mind bending, right? It's it's pretty mind bending. It's pretty deep. Um, it was written in the '60s, but he's basically talking about wow. things that exist today. Um, his son created like an institute for him, um, but wow. I I don't know. Just talking to you, I feel like it's something you could you could be into. You're not required to read it, but I mean, if you and it's no, not I'm like totally, I'm already interested. Yeah, it, it's it's not the it's not like the 70 page Suzuki book the way that we talked in the beginning. Oh, okay. And I said you it's gift little... people a short book. Okay. This is a long book that I'm gonna gift you. You know, you know what? I I think you mentioned the uh, the, the the book. Um, what what when we were talking about math, you were you were talking about oh, Goodell Escher Bach. Yeah, I I started. I, I've I've gotten into it. It's that is hard to read, isn't it? Oh my god! It it's was... like it starts off. It's like kind of easier the preface, and then and then it just like gets pretty insane. You know, when I started it, I was like, I think I'm going to be able to get through this. Yeah, same with this. And then I was like maybe 70 pages in and I was like, I know. what the hell did I get myself into? I know. I, I felt the same way. It was like really intense. You know, did you, you got to like, did you finish it? No. Did you? I did. Um, and wow. when I say that I maybe retained yeah. a fraction, but I'm okay with that. But what I did, and if you decide to tackle it again, if you look up on YouTube, there was an MIT class yeah. that they did on the book and it was some sort of like experimental class. Yeah. But there were like eight, hour long episodes. So for every like hundred pages I read of the book, I watched one of the oh, wow. MIT classes to try to like get yeah, my that's... way through it. But still the math was like way over yeah. my head. Yeah. Yeah. But you could sort of grasp the concepts. Yeah. Well, I'd also read his other book that he put out later called I am a strange loop. Yeah. That talks about that strange loop. Um, I think he calls it like a tangled hierarchy. Um, it's how he describes consciousness. Um, so that was a little helpful, but that book also was like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm reading. The whole, like, you know, there's but, moments but, where but I'm just like- But could you distill the, like, what, what was the, what do you think is one of the main kind of points of that book? Like, what, what would you say is the central idea of it? I can't- um, I think this, the central idea is a lot of that strange loop idea where like consciousness is like, recursive so there's like memories and feelings and thoughts within thoughts within feelings within thoughts and it's like it kind of keeps going down and then does it ever end back or, up again where does this come from or where yeah he didn't that, he might have gotten there but i don't know but that does I got it become that part like a it. circle or, or it goes back on itself or yeah what? that's what he means where it's like a tangled hierarchy where it's like things kind of rise up to the top while other things move down and then it goes the other direction yeah um yeah, to me, the, the math metaphor is very challenging, but the, the metaphor of like the music and the, the, the painting, the Escher paintings, yeah. made a lot of sense to me.
Yeah, that that did too. I did get to that. Yeah, and it just like goes. Yeah, those Escher things are pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah and then the Bach thing. Yeah, that. It's all like yeah, like a fractal thing or something like yeah, it, with the, thing within thing within thing, and it just keeps yeah. going. Yeah, I mean, it, the simple one is always just like the Russian doll idea, where it's like there's a doll within a doll yeah. within a doll within a doll. Well, the, I, whenever I smoke, if I, I don't, I don't smoke weed much because I just get terrified because I get into these loops where mm -hmm. I thing within a thing and it's just infinite, and I get terrified. I don't know why, but mm -hmm. I think about that, and it just it seems it makes it makes me feel like crushed or something. It's so. Right. When you start kind of going into that yeah. world, when you start trying to look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like the reality that it's like, maybe this isn't real or real within another world with another, it just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It I mean, that, that, well, I think that's what makes the book so heavy and dense as well. Yeah. Like even when you are getting it, you're like, Whoa, this is just like <laughs> bending my mind. Yeah. Um, you did yeah. mention, you did mention like the, I do want to let you go. Cause I'm sure you got a lot to do. Um, but you did mention you talked briefly about psychedelics. Mm -hmm. Have you, have you done, done any like LSD or, or mushrooms or anything? I mean, like just like little bit mushrooms, but I don't think I did enough because mm -hmm. I didn't like, it, it wasn't like so noticeably my reality shifted, you know, and I, and LSD, I'm too scared to do it because I think that I'm just going to lose my, like, I'm going to, like I feel like it's gonna like like trigger something, and then I'll always be a little bit crazy, you know. Right. When well, I mean, crazy, that was... I mean like like schizophrenic or something. Right. Well, that's kind of like the risk, right? Where people yeah. said that if somebody's like predisposed to these things, like that, yeah, can be a problem. Yeah. So that, that's what I'm a little terrified about. I'm, I'm I have never done any, but I'm super fascinated by the idea of like the guided trip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the hero's dose, like you know. Yeah these things um, yeah, i'm definitely curious about it i would love to do it that's my biggest fear is that that i'll just sort of lose it and i'll always be like some like paranoid crazy you know yeah yeah i mean that's the that's the thing but i mean i i read Pollen's book and he talks pretty in depth about some of this stuff and yeah, that might ease your nerves oh so what can you yeah send me the name of this author too I mean, i'll say i'll send you that one as well yeah um man I really can't thank you enough for responding to my Facebook message yeah, and no making problem. this happen. Um, su such a huge fan. Of well, I looked movie. at your stuff, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't, I thought that what you're doing and, and talking about and, 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 and doing is, is fascinating. Even all the content that you, uh, that you have up there and the way that you're thinking about things is, is, is very, very great. That means a lot. It really means yeah. a lot. Coming from you, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's be in touch, and then, um, like I said, if, as soon as we're done here, just shoot me a mailing address, and I'm gonna I'm gonna send this book over to you. Okay. Sounds great, Kyle. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.